This is Meditations for Misfits. I'm Fred Gruy. Well, you may have heard, or maybe you haven't, but uh, we've had a lot of massive wildfires here in southern Oregon in the last month, and our home was one of the casualties of uh, those fires. So for the last six weeks, my wife Nancy, our wonderful dog Shanti, and I have been refugees. One of the hardest parts I've learned about being a refugee is the emotional distress that comes with knowing you are committing the ultimate cultural mortal sin, the sin of being needy. So over these last six weeks, I've come to experience firsthand how difficult it really is to receive. I've learned I really suck at it. Being needy, knowing that you are utterly dependent upon others, unable to avoid the reality of how vulnerable you are, I've learned, is really scary. And one afternoon, the whole illusion that I've spent my lifetime crafting of being independent, responsible, able to provide for myself and my family, it all literally went up in smoke. Now over these uh, weeks, one of the phrases that uh, Jesus is or attributed to Jesus in the Bible uh, has been roaming around in uh, my mind. Jesus said at one point in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, if you want to find it for yourself, he said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, I mean, literally, in what universe does that make any sense at all? How could being destitute possibly be a blessing? Well, this is a lesson that I've been beginning, at least, to learn in the School of Refugee. One of the things I've learned is that literally having nothing forces you to surrender. Now, I know the word surrender comes with a lot of baggage, but I just can't think of a better word. You learn how to surrender to things like waiting in line, surrender to being on telephone hold for what seems like an eternity. You learn to surrender to wearing clothes that can't hide your middle-aged paunch. You surrender to not being in control of your own life. Surrender to the fact that you're interdependent and nobody can really go it alone. The truth is we're all needy. Most of us can just hide it better than others a good deal of the time. But I've seen firsthand how life has a way of puncturing that illusion. I've seen it so often with the patients I've served in my hospice work, the folks who struggle with this lesson at the hands of a terminal disease. I've seen how the folks that fight tooth and nail to be in control, to be in charge against the overwhelming reality of their disease process generally die a much harder death and they need a lot bigger uh, amount of painkillers, analgesics. And the ones who, who can go with the flow, accept things as it comes, they generally have a much easier time in dying. Well, there's another line of Jesus's that uh, has been rolling around in my head. He said at another place in Mark uh, 10, chap chapter 10, verse 23, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. 
Now, the rich people I know, myself included, have a really hard time of surrendering to reality. One of, one of the great benefits of being rich is the ability to be in control. It's a benefit that's almost impossible to let go of, and we won't unless uh, brother disease or sister fire comes to take it away from us. But now, if Jesus is to be believed, if the result of surrendering our illusion of being in control is entry into God's beloved kingdom. Could it be? That's why he said, blessed are the poor. They've mastered the art of accepting their neediness and surrendering to the reality of our interdependence with each other. So I've been thinking about those things quite a lot over the last few weeks. I've been trying to embrace my own neediness and leaning into my vulnerability. Now, one of the things I've gained from being forced to surrender to these realities is a pathway out of the unhealthy illusion that I like to, to surround myself with and to discover true community. Now, a si significant experience of this learning actually occurred several years ago at a church meeting I was in. A friend of mine, Mark Iaconelli, was leading the meeting, and and he suggested if we really want to get to know each other, here's the way to do it. I'm going to go around the room and ask each of you to share something that you really, really need help with right now. It needs to be concrete and specific. Well, you can imagine when he said that, the, the room became deathly silent. Everybody was terrified. But as folks began to share, it came my turn. And the only thing I could think of in the moment is I really, really needed help with unclogging some drains in our bathroom sink. And I am totally useless and inept when it comes to household chores. I'd, I'm, I'm barely competent to change a light bulb. Well, anyway, there was a guy in the group, a man named Michael, that I barely knew. So well, I can help with that. I'm good with stuff like that. So Michael and I got together and we fixed the drain. And uh, as we were messing with that, I said, you know what I really, really need right now? It's just some meaningless male relationships. Because of so much of my work in hospice, the conversations I have are always so meaning-laden. I just need a place to blow off some steam and some just meaningless uh, conversation. Michael said, well, I'm up for that. <laughs> and so we started to get together uh, once a month or so to have a beer and, and just BS each other. And uh, over the years, we became dear friends. Michael, as it turned out, was also a writer. He writes uh, fiction books, mystery novels. And he was a great encouragement to me uh, to finish and complete my first book. He's still a dear friend to this day. I think of another book that I like, uh, a book uh, from the 12-step movement, uh, edited by two folks named Kurtz and Ketchum, and it's called The Spirituality of Imperfection. And in that book, they suggest that it's when we really share our vulnerabilities that true community can take place. If, for example, you and I sat down for a cup of coffee and we shared all the great successes we've had, the wonderful things we've done, well, we'd learn some information about each other, but we really wouldn't get close. But when you can find somebody that you can share your weakness, your vulnerability with, then the possibility for true community emerges. So it's a lesson I'm learning 
again over the last few weeks, being forced into receiving help from friends and colleagues, for crying out loud, even my high school group from 50 years ago sent me money to, to help through this time. Fo many of the folks I haven't seen in 50 years, and I told them recently on a Zoom call, when I was in high school, I was an asshole, and yet you people are so nice to me. And it's been overwhelming, to say the least. So I'm learning again, to my great surprise, that in this life, I'm not alone. Don't get me wrong, it's not fun to go through this lesson, this school, and it is filled with the fear of rejection, of being uh, vulnerable, needy, not measuring up. But so far, it's become a gift that even fire can't consume. Once again, thanks so much for allowing me to join you for these few moments on your journey today. If you would like to do something to help uh, many of my neighbors uh, who were displaced by these Southern Oregon wildfires, there's nearly 3,000 families that uh, have lost their homes. Many of those families are undocumented citizens or folks without any kind of insurance to help. If you Google the United Way of Jackson County, Oregon, there's a special fund that they have set up to help provide support for those folks. I would be most appreciative if you would consider maybe doing something along those lines. In closing, uh, here's a wonderful line from Joseph Campbell that I have always enjoyed and is particularly meaningful to me in this moment. And Campbell said, we must be willing to let go of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. <laughs>